Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I'm really happy to have um, my lifeline when I was in Medellin, <laughs> Colombia, on the show today, and I'll explain all of that. Um, but Juliana Gomez, Juliana, please introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, everyone. I'm Juliana Gomez. I'm a Colombian-Canadian software engineer. I'm living right now in Medellin, Colombia, but I grew up in Canada. Uh, what else? I organize Pioneras Developers, which is a group of women in tech here in Medellin, and I also help organize JSConf Colombia, which is where we met, Kim. Yes, it is. So, um, the, it's so, so funny because when I have people on the show that I know, it goes a totally different way than when I'm just talking to people that I've come across on the internet. So this should be interesting. So as always, we're going to start with Juliana asking, answering the two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how is she personally causing a scene? Um, okay, so I'll start with the first one, why it's important to cause a scene. And it was really great. I actually, I think this is like a lot of stuff that I've been doing for a long time, but I had never really considered like a concrete answer. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for this opportunity. This You're very like, welcome. Because <laughs> there are many great. people who don't realize it until they like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, I know it's important to me, but why? Um, so for me, I was, I listened to a couple of your past episodes and I loved Coraline's answer. Um, so I'm, I want to expand a bit on that. Coraline said something like tech, um, tech is a really life-changing industry. And I totally agree. And I see it firsthand, especially in Colombia. I see how people who get into tech um, can get out of poverty easier. Um, and then with a higher income, these people are getting involved in decision making that influences other people that were once in their in their situations they put their more of their disposable income towards supporting important causes um they get into those boardrooms to influence these decisions and um this i feel like when folks get into tech and they get out of like hard life situations be that poverty abusive situations um really anything that economic freedom can get you out, it causes this like beautiful uh, butterfly JS effect, which is actually a term coined by uh, Julian, Julian Duque and Juan Pablo Uritica, who are like big players in the Colombian tech scene, who have started so many communities. And we can see that effect right now of people starting their own communities, uh, getting more and more into tech and the way that it changes people's lives. So I think that's why it's important. Okay, now how are you specifically causing a scene? All right, mine is interesting because I am quite new to the industry. I've been in the industry for about two years as a technical person, as an engineer. And then a year before that, I used to work in marketing for tech companies. Um, so contrary to, contrary to a lot of your guests who have like years and years of experience, I don't have a lot of clout in the industry right now. Um, and I have to be really careful with my with my moves because I don't want to get shut out of the industry before I can make 
real impact. So um, I identified three ways that I'm quietly causing a scene. <laughs> um, the first one is that I'm focusing way more on helping individuals in very personalized situations rather than trying to have um, like a big overall impact on the masses. So I try to help people, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, whether that's through mentoring, uh, helping he people here in Colombia with their English. Um, I'm really great at looking for jobs. <laughs> so I help people prepare for interviews. I like look through their online presence to make sure it's like looking good. That kind of one-on-one -on -one help. The second one is I'm working really hard to get up to a senior level, um, especially technically. Uh, I know that, I mean, I identify as a woman, people see me as a woman, um, and women have to work, there's that saying, like minorities have to work twice as hard just to get the same level of recognition. And you know what, I feel it, and I am working twice as hard just so I can get into those situations where I have a bit more influence, or I have a bit more pull. Um, and so I know that seniority is important to that, and I'm working super hard um, for that. And the third one is visibility. This is the one I struggle with the most because I am super private. I hate when people, like, talk about me or look at me or... There's actually, there's this really funny, poorly drawn lines comic, and it's three panels. And the first one, it's a, one of the characters who's a pigeon, says like, hey, everyone, look at me. And then the second panel is everyone looking at him. And the third one's like, oh, actually, I don't like this. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of my life story. But I've seen the way that being visible can inspire other folks to do these things that I've done. So um even though I don't like it I see the importance and I and I still do it um just because I hope that by seeing especially people in my communities by seeing like hey look Jules is doing this thing I hope that they that they get you know that inspiration that inkling of like all right how did she do it I want to do it too so yeah th those are my three things right now <laughs> And I love how humbly you said them um, because <laughs> they all have a great impact. It's like you, I try, I, I have to admit, I, a lot of those things are my way of working. I uh, consider myself like the pebble that gets dropped in the water and then the ripple effects. Mm -hmm. um, I let them handle themselves because mm -hmm. if not, I get overwhelmed with, the enormity of the situations or the conditions or the or, or all of this that we're dealing with um and so my one-on-one -on -one has been twitter <laughs> it's just the one to many for me it's just it was like okay how do i um scale this in a way that does not exhaust me um because this work is hard and people do not believe that I'm an introvert, but that's what it is. <laughs> and so being on Twitter allows me to be as engaging as I choose to be, where when I'm speaking, I'm not. Um, when I'm speaking, after I give a talk, I put, and if no one's, if you haven't seen my talks, they're not just talks. I, my whole body is into it. So I'm yeah. exhausted, you know? And yeah. um, so, and then being an introvert, being tired, I really don't want to have conversations at conferences. But Twitter has been that place where I can be that pebble 
and watch the ripple effects where it's that one to many. And I get you on the, the reason I started speaking was I knew it as a woman, as a black woman, as somebody older transitioning into tech with the career path that tech wouldn't really understand. I had to one let tech know what my value is instead of waiting for tech to decide because that wouldn't have happened. And two, I needed to let other people see what I, how I was doing it so they could do it. For mm-hmm. being on the stage is like leapfrogging in your career. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most, <laughs> um, particularly from, from people from marginalized communities, Taking your place on the stage automatically states that you're an expert. I don't care how many years you've been there. So <laughs> the fact that um, you, at two years in, spoke at Fluent says a lot to people who've never spoken at Fluent um, yeah. and who have years of experience. Because what you talk about, when you were talking about accessibility, you were able to break that down to in very... Um, very complex topics in very simple, um, very simplistic ways, but it wasn't, but it was not dumbed down. Even people who um, may already know something about the subject er, uh, matter, you provided some new insight there. So when you take the, I'm always encouraging people to take the stage. Hmm. Take the stage. That is a huge, one of those barriers to entry to tech that people say you're not technical, and I'm going to put that in quotes because people, people understand <laughs> what I mean about, I have a problem with, with techno, technical being only attributed to engineers. Um, that means to me, you only know technology. There's a difference between technical and technology. Um, mm. and, but it leapfrogs you. So you don't see it, Julia, but <laughs> I already know that you have a presence that is bigger than what you think it is. Oh, God, don't say that. Yes, I know, <laughs> no, I know. It's big, Julia. <laughs> Juliana, it's big. Okay, so let me give a little backstory about how me and Miss, Miss Juliana met. Because this is the thing, this one-on-one that you're talking about, that you're really making an impact. So I was, ex- last year, um, again, as I say, I did not, I knew that when I decided that I did not want to cold for um, a living um, after um, going through. I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to be me. Um, I have some skills that this community does not have, but I knew that the community would not know what to do with my skills. So, and it was conscious and subconscious, unconscious, subconscious, all kinds of things. But I was like, okay, I tried this speaking thing out and I was like, I know this is going to be the way that I demonstrate my knowledge to this or my expertise to this community. So last year I sat down and I um, just applied to conferences. I'm going to tell you, I didn't even read half them. I (laughs) sat down on Sunday and applied to a minimum of um, 10 CFPs every Sunday. And yeah, yeah. I just, I was like, if it's, if it, if it didn't say, you know, like technology specific and we didn't, weren't looking for, um, and I hate when they say non-technical talks, <laughs> um, but because I was not going to be demonstrating code or talking about uh, um, Redux or talking about uh, <laughs> React and stuff like that. So I, I but I, that was the only things I looked for. And I also looked for places that I wanted to visit. <laughs> Those are the two yeah. things. 
And so one of the um, outcomes of that was being accepted to JS Comp Columbia, which is in Medellin. And, and I was like, oh my God, yes. So get on the flight, get, I mean, get there. The, first of all, before that, the community, the organizers were so good at making sure everything was in place before we got there. I'd never been to South America. Um, and so that was a, a, the thing. They picked us up from airport, everything. I get to the, I get, and so not, okay, let me stop there. <laughs> the big thing is I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> That's the big, so let's, let, let, I want to put that pin right there. I do not speak Spanish. I know hello. I know thank you. And that's about it. <laughs> and so, um, so I'm, um, thankfully there was somebody to pick us up. Um, he had my name on a thing, so I, you know, find him. So, um, I get to, to get from the airport to the hotel. It's you have terrible. to go. It's, yeah. It's not like the hotel is far from the airport. You just have to go all the way up in the mountains and come all the way down. <laughs> and it's a wind, it's, it's all curves. So it's, it's elevation and curves. So when I finally check in, so we're at a hotel, there's somebody that speaks English, which is great. Check in. Um, I go to my room and all of a sudden the room is moving and I'm like, <laughs> what could this be? Because <laughs> it's really slight. <laughs> it was like it wasn't like vertigo, but it was like I noticed that the sh- my room is fucking moving. Why is my room moving? So I get in the Slack channel, like, like, oh, this is the because of the elevation and the going up and down. Da da da. Lay down. Um, order something to eat on us. And if you don't feel better, we've already taken care of having a physician on 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 call. I was like, what? Yeah, if you need anything, just call the hotel. Let the hotel know, and they'll bring a, have a physician. I was like, I've never heard of that before. Okay, <laughs> and so the the whole time before that, I was in a, in a conversation with one of the organizers because I just spent two weeks in Germany, and I spent um, because of our long distance or our cellular carriers in the U.S. have changed their rules. It used to be you could get a plan for 30 days. Now it's $10 a day. So, uh, and uh, mind you, at this time, I was not making money at all. I was living on my student loans, on my student loan refund. And so I had gotten hit with almost $200 of extra of a cell phone bill. So I was in contact with um, one of the organizers there and they had gotten a SIM card and everything for my phone. Get the SIM card. Well, I did not realize I didn't know anything about lock phones because I never had to deal with it. So the SIM card doesn't work because freaking at and I have a lock phone. Mm-hmm. So I get back to my room. So I can't use my phone. Or if I use my phone, I have to pay money that I don't have. Um, I can't go anywhere because I can't put the SIM card in, which means I can't use my Google, which means I don't know where the hell I'm going. I don't speak Spanish. Where am I going to go? And I kind of broke down on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the organizers saw it and immediately reached out to you because you were around the corner from the hotel. And he was like, Kim, do you want someone? And I was like, no, (laughs) no. I mean, I was literally in tears. I've never been that felt felt that isolated in my life, and um, and you insisted and said I'm coming over, and <laughs> <laughs> and all you did was take me around like the block so I could yeah. get acclimated to where I was, and that one gesture I felt was what made that trip for me. 
And I want to thank you. And I thank you, but I really, I'm almost in, thank you. Okay. Because this is why tech is so important. Because it really made me think about all those individuals who were saying, come into tech, but we don't make them feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Come into tech and they don't feel safe. Um, and, and those individuals, how many of those people don't have a Juliana to reach out and say, hey, you're not going to refuse my help. I'm going to help you and I'm going to just take you around the block so that you can see that it's okay and that you're safe. And so sweet, Kim. That was life-changing for me because I really saw, and this is when I really made a commitment to focus a lot of my attention in South America. Oh, well, excuse me, in Latin America. Because there's so many barriers, and you mentioned it with English first. Um, mm-hmm. People being poor and not having access to technology. And this is why I that trip was so life-changing for me to a point where I started and I haven't picked up on it, but I probably will this year and, and bring it into the hashtag cause of scene movement where I was trying to curate on GitHub resources for people who travel in other countries. Like you need an adapter, you, um, you, you need this, you need, so people who have never traveled because what we're asking people to do to make this a more inclusive community we're asking people who have never had access. And it's not just out of being out of poverty. I grew up being a consumer of tech. No one told me that I could be a producer of tech. So this is a whole different industry for me, a whole different perspective for me. And to now travel around the world, it is overwhelming. And mm-hmm. when you add poverty or language barriers or um, I have some people in my trans in the trans community who are afraid to don't go to different com- to go to speak at different conferences because of where the conferences are located and they don't know if they're going to be safe. I really want to put this resource together about what these communities, when you're traveling to them as a marginalized person, what you can br- what you need to bring, what you can expect, who you can connect with, all those different things, and your experience. That one thing that you you make seem small was huge. So thank you. No, thank you, Kim. I didn't know that. Well, I knew that it was like important to you, but I hadn't really heard the story. I mean, this elaborated. Um, that's super sweet, though. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that was, um, and, um, and that turned. It could have been a really shitty experience. And I walked away with, um, and you weren't the only one. There were several of the organizers mm. who made time to make sure if we were somewhere that I, they took me around and we walked through this one, like, um, I don't, I think it was a, it was a, it, was, it wasn't a zoo. I think it was um, a botanical garden. She wanted me oh, to yeah. see. Yeah. It was like, people were like, okay, Kim struggled when she gets, got here. Um, Cause I, oh my God, you remember when I even spoke? My 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 technology wasn't working, and so yeah. I kind of freaked out right before that, and was almost in tears um, because the people were speaking to me in Spanish, and I didn't mm. under because we had tested the technology and it worked, but then when we put it on the, on the podium, it didn't work, and people were talking to me and, and speaking to me in Spanish, and I did not understand, and I'm already freaking out before I speak anyway. And so it was, it took me like two minutes into my talk. I made it a part of my talk uh, where I was just pacing back and forth, burning off the energy. Um, 
that could have, and in every turn when I felt overwhelmed and, and, um, it could have been a fucked up experience. There was somebody in that community to say, Hey, I got you. And this is what it's, people think they're these huge, you know, I have to be doing these big sweeping, massive things. Those things matter when you have already created a safe space for people to trust you that those things matter. Hmm. If more people spent time where you, I'm going to continue to bring this up, where you think it's small, we would really have an impact on this community in large ways. So we have a whole bunch of people sitting around waiting for their next big idea when all they need to do is reach out to someone and mentor them. All they need to do is reach out to someone and make sure, hey, do you, not, do you have a laptop that works? I have several at my job that we're not using. Let me mm. give you one. Those small things are what make a community. Yeah, definitely. So uh, with JSConf Columbia, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting experience because, um, as a lot of people know, Columbia was quite violent in the 90s. Um, and in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of people left Columbia and a lot of middle, middle-class families like mine. So my family left in 97 when I was six years old. Um, and I grew up in Canada. I grew up, uh, you had a guest on recently, Dan Hassan. And he was like, yes. I didn't know I wasn't white until. Yeah. He went back. <laughs> uh, yeah, same. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew that I wasn't white, but I didn't know that I was different. Um, and so anyways, I guess all that to say, um, when I came back to Columbia, I thought I was the only one coming back, and I'm not. So a lot of the people in the community, um, at least for JSConf, I think like half of the org are, are Colombians who have lived a big time, like a, a good chunk of their lives outside of Colombia. Um, and I think that, I mean, personally, I can say like, my a big focus on JSConf Colombia is on the speakers becoming ambassadors for Colombia. And I think in a lot of ways, that's why we, I think sometimes we baby the speakers. But then I hear stories from speakers that are like, oh my God, JSConf Colombia is the best because they take such good care of you and they do all these things. And I saw all these lovely things in Colombia. And I, and I see the importance of that. Like, um, I see the importance of having people come to Colombia and say, you know, it's a really great place. Um, hopefully with the intention of, uh, you know, hire Colombian developers, start a business here, help businesses here. Um, anything that we can to get more tech into Colombia, I think would have a really big impact on people here. And that reminds me of the story you were telling me when, um, when we were together and we were walking around and I'm always amazed to see, um, U.S. fast food places in um, other countries. And we passed a Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think it was. I know it was a Domino's there and a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm-hmm. And, and you told me the story about how um, you're like people in the, the wealthy in Colombia want to be like Europeans. The middle class in Colombia want to be like U.S. citizens. And the poor in Colombia want to be like Mexicans. And that just struck me. And I, my next question was, so no one wants to be Colombian? And you were like, no. And that was like, what? 
Yeah, this is actually, it's, it's not something I made up. I wish I did. Um, it was, this was something that a really famous Colombian activist and journalist said. Uh, his name was Jaime Garzón. And Jaime Garzón had this really interesting way of treating Colombian politics, which was with a lot of humor. So the guy was like half the time laughing his face off, but making really poignant statements like this. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, I think because Colombia, Colombia has been at civil war for 50 years. I mean, even with the, with the signing of the peace treaty, uh, last year, there's still kinks. There's still, you know, it's a situation that's going to be ongoing probably for, oh man, I don't even know. Hopefully it ends by the time I die. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that Colombian civil war has affected has affected Colombia on a cultural level that is I mean I haven't seen it anywhere else. Colombians are uh super impacted by it and and I guess that goes to that that nobody here really I mean not nobody obviously it's a thing we say but a lot of people are ashamed of being Colombian right now. Um and I think a lot of what we're doing with the Colombian tech scene is trying to bring, you know, a little pride back a little bit. I even think of it as like a little bit of like that North American entitlement of like, mm-hmm. I deserve mm-hmm. a good job. I deserve exactly thing that I love. Yeah. Um, I'm like really working. I've had to let go of a lot of my North American entitlement, but I think a lot of Colombians could use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and cause and that was the, and when you speak, uh, when you talk about bringing tech in, uh, um, into Colombia, uh, the, the only caveat I have to that is bringing tech into Colombia that uplifts Colombia and not that comes to exploit Colombia. Because mm. um, when you already have a quote unquote inferiority complex, you don't need people coming in and um, doing what we always do when we think we know what's best. And again, that's one of the reasons I'm working um, with focusing on Latin America is to, to bring that, um, that nuance, that wherever country that is flavor to what they're doing, because I mean, everybody knows what Salesforce is, but Salesforce is out of the box of something that's pretty generic. Um, and you have to, you know, put the pieces together, but it's still pretty generic. Um, if a Colombian, entrepreneur created a business that specifically helps Colombian countries or Latin American countries, Salesforce couldn't compete with that because they don't have the background, the perspective. And that's what I want. I want that thing that makes these countries, these communities specific, that is, has creating things that that is their perspective. And not only could they sell it in their countries and their communities, but they can sell it worldwide as well. They should be um, international players because just like when you were talking about doing the hard work to get more seniority or move up, we already know if you're not at the business table, you're not making decisions, decisions are being made for you. And this is why we have tech that's working the way it does is because people from Latin America aren't at the table in the numbers that need to be to push back on what North America and Europe are doing. Mm, yeah, but I think I definitely agree. I think um, I'm really positive about it, though. I, I see the way that a lot of people are starting to, you know, um, 
kind of cause a scene to be at those tables, to be in those conversations. Right now I work at a multinational and uh, one of the things that a lot of people talked about when we first got there was the fact that we are like the little minions, like we're the ones who actually do the development and um, build the products that people in the States are selling. Um, But I've seen the way that folks are starting to influence these products that we're making. They're starting to, you know, have meetings with clients. They're starting to have meetings with the folks that are selling uh, the product in the States. Um, And I think that's, that's one, I mean, that's one fork that I think works. Um, I'm definitely one of these people I've learned in the past couple of years, like I am not a, let's put all our energy into one solution. I Almost into, definitely. <laughs> let's put, let's do everything. Like I, one of the things that I would like to focus more on in the future is helping people to get remote jobs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially remote jobs that pay in dollars. Um, I oh, actually, explain to me about that. Ooh, remote jobs that pay in dollars. Yes. Because um, <laughs> that seems like, an, to me, I would have been thinking, oh, that makes sense. But tell me why that's so important to you. <laughs> because there's a lot of, um, it happens in a lot of third world developing countries that we are doing <clears throat> the same work as an American engineer or a Canadian engineer, and we get paid way less. For example, a lot of my friends work for U.S. clients who are paying their, the companies to build this product. They're paying U.S. dollars to build this product. And then we get paid a fraction of it. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, Intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag cause the scene dot com. And then we get the of it. Um, I think that if we can help more Colombians. You know, it happens in Colombia, where else, like Eastern Europe is a lot of like outsourcing countries. And India. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we could try in these places to get more, I mean, it's my hope. It's an experiment. If we can try and get more developers um, to work for dollars, work remotely, get paid in dollars, I think that even the the like brick and mortar dev shops here are going to have a harder time finding developers and mm-hmm. they're going to have to raise their standard mm-hmm. for better pay, you know, better perks, all these things that an engineer who's doing the same job as me, except that they're in Canada is going to get. And that's what I, I want to go back to my previous comment. That's what I meant by the exploitation. Um, yeah. You um, people in the, um, developing countries working but not getting paid or getting treated or getting the same benefits as other um um because because their you know quote-unquote economies can't use it um think about if someone in colombia el salvador um wherever got 
Hey, well, I'm sure you, and I'm just sorry about that. I just thought about it. You have been thinking about it, but I'm thinking about it. Um, equal to the amount of someone in the U.S. and Canada. And think about how that totally could have, I mean, that, it could, that is a life-changing, community-changing yeah. event. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I talk about, I have a friend of mine who is so wonderful. And um, I kind of, I think I maybe exploit his story a bit too much, but it's it's such a concrete example. I mean, my friend Elon, he grew up in like a low-income neighborhood in Medellin. He, his parents couldn't afford to send him. Colombia is like, you got to go to a private school or else your life is going to be much tougher. Couldn't afford to send him to a good private school, but they could afford to have a computer with internet in the house. And Yvonne learned to program on his own, like since he was like super little. And now he works, um, you know, he's not getting paid in dollars, but he's getting paid so much more than he thought he would ever make in his life. And the ripple effect is intense. Like his family, you know, he can, he pays his, his family's rent. They don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Um, and it happens in Colombia a lot. A lot mm-hmm. of people are especially coming out of poverty through tech and they're helping everyone around them. Exactly. Whether that's like a monthly allowance, paying for rent, helping with these other things. And especially in Colombia where the poverty is tied to the violence, it's, it could have like a real impact on the way that we see necessities um, being met through through a paycheck rather than having to steal it or having to, you know, do other violent things to get it. I know that people, I think a lot of people, um, especially when we're starting in tech, we have to do, and especially second career uh, people in tech, we have to do this like marketing effort of like showing that we're really passionate about the industry and like code is my life. Um, I wish we could let go of that taboo about talking about money. Yes. I got into tech because it's a way better cha- paycheck than I was making <laughs> And that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I love to code. I also loved writing. I also loved, you know, talking to people all day on Twitter. Um, but it wasn't paying me like, like, for example, I've been in tech two years and I make the same. I actually make more now. Than I make in than I made in marketing after a university degree and five years of experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wish I wish we could. I think I'm at that level where I can take that taboo off my off my personal brand. And it, people are always like, "Yeah, it's not about the money." Yeah, tell me that it's not about the money when I'm struggling to pay rent. <laughs> yeah, and that is, but that is such a privileged comment to make. Um, yeah. And and one that and that's why I always um, talk about how why my fees are what they are and why I add a bullshit tax because no one's talking about it. No one wants to pay for um, the inclusion and diversity side of my work. Now the the business strategy part of my side of my business they'll pay for, but they get to that part from the inclusion and diversity side of my work um, when I've highlighted that they have issues. Um, and the inclusion is a risk management thing. And no one, they either don't know how to price it or they don't, we're so used to free content in this community that they expect me to um, 
or people who are doing this work to do it for free or no cost, well, our mortgages need to be paid. Um, our, we, I need to eat just because I'm traveling around the world. Um, I'm doing this as a part of my job and um, I still need to take care of myself. And, and I, so I set my prices the way I do. And I, um, I definitely say I have a bullshit tax on it because of the people I have to encounter in doing my job <laughs> too, because I understand that there are people behind me needing me to set the precedent so that they won't have to have this issue. Um, my voice is big enough and my platform is big enough, like you just said, to talk about this where they wouldn't so that once you've paid me, you know what the expectation is for the person coming behind me. That's part of the the visibility. I mean, I struggle with it a lot, but I try to be super transparent at least either on like a local level, like telling people how much I make, which is like terribly frightening every time I say (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's conversations and that kind of does come with a lot of privilege. I recognize I am super privileged and my my experience as a Colombian Canadian is not the same as Yvonne, who grew up in, in Medellin, or, you know, the fact that I speak English in this accent has gotten me a lot of access. Yes. Um, but I, I do see a responsibility, um, and I guess that's why I, I try to be visible, even though I don't like it, yeah. is because I see a responsibility for, I'm the one who can speak up. I'm the one who can say these things. I'm the one who, like I said, I'm really good at finding jobs. <laughs> so I I tread that water carefully um, because I, you know, I don't want to get kicked out of the industry. And I've seen that, you know, especially as a junior, especially as a woman, especially as someone who is like, you know, I, man, I can't tell you how many times I've been called aggressive. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, that, that, I, that famous word. Which is hilarious because I'm like a, I'm buttercut sweet. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's their only term that or angry when we, when we, and it's, and it's, it's never aggressive, aggression or anger. It's us stating what we want. And for for some reason that just to, just that we have the audacity to, to to not even demand at this point, it's just to ask for what we want. Then there's a question about who we are. And that's why I know, and speaking to what, speaking to what you just said, that's why I know that I'd speak on, I don't speak for, but I definitely speak on behalf of black women. Um, Mm -hmm. And because black women are so shit on all over the world, I, I push back hard. I, I used to, um, I've always been outspoken, but because of what I know now um, and what I see, I push back hard because I recognize that there are black women out here who are being treated like shit every single day and can't say it because yeah. they're concerned about their jobs. Um, it was in the intention of me starting my own business so that I would not have to worry about the concerns that you're worried about or other people are concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a harder role for me because I could have could easily have gotten a really great paycheck by now. <laughs> Every two weeks or whatever that is, deposit it in my account and have um, health insurance and all that stuff. I've foregone all of that uh, mm. for the fact that once you took this genie out of the bottle, first of all, I I can't go, I cannot know what I know now and Mm. I can't stop speaking, but I recognize just like you said, I have a platform and, and also, um, there's no one size fits all answer. That's why I have all these different things going on. 
to, to, to amplify the message and the platform for those particularly. It's for, it's for marginalized groups. It's for marginalized women in groups, but particularly for black women and trans women in our communities are, um, are something I'm really passionate about. And so, um, I, yeah, I totally get you when it's, it's not comfortable. It's just like, oh my God, I have to go do this thing again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I understand the value in doing this thing again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what is next for Miss Juliana? Um, I've shifted a lot of my philosophies and the way I do things and I've become very experimental. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so am I. Yes. It's like I say all the times, like this podcast was an experiment. The conferences were an experiment. It's like, okay, let me try this thing, yeah. see if it works or not. If it makes me money yeah. and I like it, okay, I'll keep moving. I'll keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like um a couple months ago there was another conference here in Medellin. And a friend of mine uh, and I were talking and we wanted to give a scholarship. So we, we wrote out the whole thing. We looked for people to apply. We gave a scholarship to uh, someone from the trans community in Colombia. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, sat down and like, you know, thought, you know, did this have an impact? Did this have the kind of impact we wanted? Um, you know, so there have been experiments like, like that, um, some are successful, some are not. <laughs> well, that's what experimentation is, though. It wouldn't be yeah. an experiment, experiment if everything was successful because you wouldn't learn anything. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I'd like to go out more on a limb with Spanish content. Um, there's a lot of people... English is a barrier for, any, for anyone who wants to learn to program or who wants to get into the industry and doesn't speak it. I think. I struggled with a lot of like that cultural colonialism uh, at the beginning of my time in Colombia. You know, the unfairness that English is a barrier, the unfairness of why can't I, you know, write my comments in Spanish or why can't someone else do it? Because clearly I am more comfortable in English. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people in the community are starting to to kind of catch on to that, that we need more content in Spanish. And and that's a constant debate here. Do we need more content in Spanish or do we need to teach people more English? Um, like I said, I am a let's do all the things. I was about to say, I don't <laughs> see I don't see one negating the other. Yeah, no. So I think let's do all the things mm-hmm. and create more content in Spanish. Um, and I don't know. I think for me, I would like to I would like to go remote with my US dollar paycheck. Um I don't know, maybe like a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, um, and again, being able to break the taboo with that much money, oh man, I think of all the things I could try. Mm-hmm. I think of like, if I could, you know, sponsor someone to give them like a year of English lessons. Oh, wow. Um, even yeah. something bigger, like, you know, try and try and use my, my pull in Canada. In Canada, I lived in Waterloo, which has a really strong tech scene. Mm -hmm. You know, try and get my pull in Canada to to kind of get more stuff. Um, You know, even if it's like someone sponsor an internship, someone take someone to Canada and, you know, let them live there for a bit. 
I really, I think those kind of like individual high impact things are the things that I'm interested in experimenting with. I just have to figure out that impact, you know? One of the things we learned about bringing someone to a conference is, um, one, it's really hard to measure that impact. You don't know, you know, if that person met anyone, if if they got a job out of it, if they did something like afterwards. And it's hard to pick. I think sometimes we we give these opportunities to people who are extroverted and maybe we don't look at, you know, it's it's kind of like, these are the things I think about. Like, how do I make sure that I give it the, an opportunity to the person who's going to make the most of it? And not just how, the person who raised their hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so... Wow, Juliana, you're really thinking deeply. <laughs> and I yeah. really and I really appreciate that because, again, this, I'm happy we're having this conversation because, again, people always think they have to be these big, sweeping, grand gestures. Um, no, you sponsoring someone for a year English is life-changing one-on-one mm. and the impact that will have on that person, that family, and that community um, is, is mind-blowing. And um, so I'm going to, you started at the beginning, like, oh, I'm just, no, Juliana, you are <laughs> making waves. You are causing the scene in ways that other people who I've talked to have not even considered. So I commend you for that. Thanks. I think that that's part of my visibility too. I, I've noticed that a lot of people, a lot of people who I talk to are like, but I want to do this big thing and I want to start this boot camp. And I, and I, I think those are all amazing things. Start the boot camp, do, you know, the massive campaigns. Um, but I, I do believe that, um, one, this fosters community and communities like, you know, oh, I love community. Yes. That sense of belonging <laughs> brings so much happiness to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it would bring a lot of happiness to other people. Um, so one-on-one help fosters that sense of community. Um, and it's a little bit more attainable for us who can't, you know, who can't do the grand gestures yet or who are not interested in doing the grand gest- gestures. And I, I, I want to... I want to bring this in right here. I wouldn't say that the grand gestures and this is are are, are better. I really don't. Um, yeah, no. So it's 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 also shifting people's minds in thinking that our contribution has to be this big thing. I want you to impact people. If it's one on one, if it's twenty thousand at a time, I don't care. We just need to make this community better, faster. Um, and safer and more inclusive uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think we're, I think we're on a good path. I think. Yes. I'm always optimistic. Always optimistic. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to be. <laughs> yeah, you have to be to do this work. So um, any last words? No, thanks for having me. I, I was a bit surprised when I got your message, but I was super happy. I was like, yes. <laughs> Anytime I get to spend with you, Kim, has always been amazing. You always leave me with a lot of things to think about. I appreciate it. And I can t- honestly say the same to you. It's you have <laughs> uh, you have since the moment we met, you have made a positive impact on my life. And um, I was thinking about guests, um, and I was scrolling through my DMs, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, my girl Juliana. Um, is different because you're not that fight the power, 
you know, a, a, um, your message is not that. Your message is how can I be impactful and create a community? And, and, and I like that because it juxtaposes the big grand gestures or the people who love being on stage, um, who, you know, it's, and because people need to see it takes all of us. Hmm. It takes the people who raise their hand and the people who would like to raise their hand, but don't feel comfortable raising their hand, um, to make all of this better for all of us. So thank you so much. Again, I love spending, I can tell you, I, I never had, I was in education and outside of the people in my school, I really didn't connect, but tech, I've connected to so many wonderful people around the world. Um, And having these conversations just really just solidifies that for me that I love where I am and I will remain optimistic. And I'm happy to say that you're a part. I love having you a part of my community and a part of my tech family. Oh, thank you. Me too. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too, Kim. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause to Sing podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause to Sing movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause to Sing community. Just visit the website at HashtagCalledTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.